0: Sometimes she cares, sometimes she don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, here we go. You got
1: to you got to do the intro.
0: Hi everyone. Welcome back to Father Knows Something. <laughs> and you get a little older, you start forgetting things. Uh Justin's with us tonight, and I'd like to know that if you don't think that sometimes uh dads can influence check out the uh the socks on justin's fee how about that
1: that's right here we go we right. got it
0: so uh apparently they have a they have a, a whole uh, list of fun stuff for me to talk about that we and, do and uh, we're gonna have a interesting evening i'm told so let's see how we do and where we go we have holly um guest star she, we'll see how she reacts to any of this yeah <laughs> <laughs> right. so uh let her rip
1: all right today we have a focus on work and school problems okay which I think you have a lot of experience in. So starting off, hi, unofficial surrogate dad. Nice. Starting off a little compliment here. Your podcast is very calming to listen to and I've already covered topics I was going to write in about, which was oddly calming. And I've taken the advice you gave in the previous instances and it has helped greatly.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it.
1: All right. I, female 20, am attending university. I've had a self-sabotage tactic that takes over me, where in school, I stop wanting to work and do assignments, letting them pile up and essentially failing the course. I do go back and retake the same course the next year and do really well in it. It could be because I fear failure so much that I do it anyway. For me, it seems to boil down to lack of discipline and not being able to get into the habit of school. I feel deeply embarrassed by not being as studious as my friends, but at the end of the day, I struggle to break the toxic cycle I have myself in. Something that is worse is that my parents are the ones paying for my schooling, which makes me feel worse and more like a failure. I'm terrified of telling my parents of this and only want to be able to tell them once I have a plan in motion to fix it because I fear they will stop paying for my schooling. But I also need parental advice, I want to thank you in advance for answering me and more than likely helping me out of a situation where I feel like I have no one.
0: I, I have actually experienced a lot of the, the things that you wrote down. My history is is that I uh, was diagnosed dyslexic um, back when, I mean, I'm 64, so back in 1962 and 63, they really did not know a lot about dyslexia. And I had trouble through my whole elementary, junior, senior high school years, even, in, even when I went to college. And it was a fight. I had tremendous training, every type of reading clinic. And my parents worked very hard to try to find solutions for me. I learned by, by implementing, by actually doing. I do remember that I had biology in, in eighth grade and I failed. And I went and did it again in summer school. In summer school, the teacher that I had made a complete difference in the way that I got educated. So some teachers were able to take someone that might be, certainly like me, maybe like you, and they find a better way for you to understand and and get the topic. Next to that, if they can't, then it's up to you to be able to say, this may not be the teacher for me or you may need to go find someone that can put you in the situation that you can learn it and grasp it. Everyone has their own way of, of finding that that groove. So I I I regret not trying to work harder back when I was younger, but maturity comes into play hugely in this thing. And apparently you have the maturity to recognize it and, you're, and you obviously sound like you're really trying to do it. You're obviously bright. I mean, I think most people are bright if they allow themselves to believe it and get get through these hurdles that prevent them from, from getting the information and applying it.
1: In my case, I feel like school is always, it always feels very daunting when you first start a class. And I think the assignments and papers and tests can get very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I thrived by having a relationship with the teachers Mm -hmm. i always would go to office hours i would take the extra time and care to show more of an interest in the class and what it led to was an actual passion to learn the topics to see the beauty in their teaching what if it's just that you're losing the passion you have the skill you have all the knowledge in the world what what do you need to reinvigorate that that passion and that that will to want to succeed in school
0: I think it goes back to some of the educators to put some kind of fire. Our educators today should really be taught to emphasize how to arouse the student's thirst for that information. I thirst for information. I love watching documentaries. I love doing this stuff today because I learn so much as I do it. You know, I learn shitloads from you guys. I mean, Morgan is consistently... Bombarding me with information which forces my brain to grow. hmm Most people might say "Ah, oh, we know, you know, we've learned everything I think maybe most of us are smart enough to say no We haven't learned nothing or not enough
1: and I think the tough thing is sometimes in school You have to take classes that you aren't necessarily Super excited about a,
0: a wonderful example life uh, Taylor would say why am I learning this I'll never need it and I probably thought the same thing when I was in school. So I got involved in a project, and I, you know, I was going well. If this is, you know, half the size of that, and it's not that, you know, it's not going to have that kind of power. I'm sure it will work. And the next thing is, I built an airplane, folks, and I was flying over a Lake Superior. And the next thing I know, with doing the calculation, like I just mentioned, uh, I found myself without a propeller shaft, or like in your car, your drive shaft at 6,000 feet with a lot of water underneath me. And I realized that uh, I was uh, uh, fortunately able to land at an airport and walk away from this. And I decided maybe I should learn to do a little trigonometry to figure the physics of why this thing broke and, and, and take it a little more seriously. And I did. And I found out exactly what happened and solved the problem and it's 30 years later, I'm still alive, and I'm still, I guess, flying. So it just goes to show you that uh, a lot of us wait till we need it to apply it. But if we, you know, kind of learn these these things, why they're teaching us these basics, and we realize that our educators are giving us the foundations that we will be able to apply all this stuff later, and that as parents, we can actually teach our kids. Yeah, I know it, you may not think you'll ever use it, but go along with it because you might be able to apply it, even if the parents can help you apply it in a project.
1: Yeah, well, and I had a a literature class that I was not excited about. I just did, it was a requirement. I had to do it, so I I pushed it off until senior year. Mm -hmm. And because I took the time, and just to make it worth the while, you're already spending the time, you have to get through the class, Mm -hmm. I forced myself to become interested in it to the point where I would be at, office hours with this teacher probably once a week mm-hmm. and it got to the point where it almost was like we would go outside of the topics and we were just talking about the literature overall and the broader scheme of the class and it became one of the most influential classes I ever had
0: and it changed you yeah and it got you had to have appreciation for it as well
1: yeah if you can find a way to just have more fun with the learning become more interested in it and I think by having a relationship with the teacher, mm-hmm. whether it be office hours or staying going to class 10 minutes before class starts or any of that, I found that that has been very successful in, in my world.
0: You know, just another thing that she was touching, I was self-sabotaging. And that's a tough one. I mentioned the fact that I was dyslexic. At the age of three, I was hit by a car. It certainly knocked me out. You know, I had a fractured skull. I, I was pretty well a mess. Everyone was worried in the room with a three-year-old child in a bed, you know, unconscious. They were all saying, will he be okay? Will he have brain damage? Will he be stupid? He won't be able to function normal. And so my brain or anyone's, your brain is such a masterful piece of equipment. It starts wiring you. So I sabotage myself to fail. And maybe that's what caused my dyslexia. Maybe that was why I, <clears throat> I had problems forever in school. If you see that you're sabotaging yourself, get out of your box. Try to do the absolute opposite of the sabotage. We're going to have to do more sessions and get more expertise on this and maybe get an expert and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people that are walking these streets are doing things to self-sabotage themselves. So I'm glad you recognize it. That's the first step with anything in life. You, you try to make yourself better. There was a guy named um, Stephen Covey, and he wrote a book, Seven Successful Habits. And I found it to be extremely helpful, and not just to watch, listen to it once, listen to it over and over again. These people that have talked about time management and doing things, Re-listen to them, because I know that when I do re-listen to it, it gets me back on track. So that would something that I would look into as well.
1: I think it's very valuable.
0: I would say this regarding your fear to talk to your parents. You know, parents want to know what's going on with their kids. Be clear with them. Let them if they see that you're working hard, I think they're going to do whatever they can to try to help you. And if you even say, look, I'm trying to do this, maybe we can find... You can help me or maybe I can find another way of to get through this because I really want this. But don't wait to the end to do it. Be, always be clear. Always be uh, transparent with your parents so they're a part of your solution, not a part of your problem. Beautiful. It would be wonderful when you do stuff, just write back in and let us know how you did.
1: All right, rolling right along. There Hello, I'm ready to go. Next one. All right. I think my boss is kind of an idiot and it's making me feel like I'm wasting my time. I got this job because it's a dog-friendly office and I got a puppy, but he's still way too baby to be left alone at home. This isn't a job I plan to have forever. I'm currently applying to master's programs so that I can eventually do what I'm really passionate about, but this job is seriously sucking my soul. So for the sake of my puppy, Should I keep working this job that kind of makes me want to throw up every time I go in? Or should I quit while I'm ahead since I already know that this isn't forever?
0: Good question. Very good. As I was listening to the question, my first instinct was good job, bad job, every job. Every experience you have, when you do something, you say, God, that was horrible. Today was a tough day. Every time you have a negative experience there's something positive that comes out of it. It teaches you how to deal with a situation. If the work you are doing is great and you're learning something from the work and you're succeeding in your work, then my answer is battle it out. If you find a better job that will be able to deal with the fact that you have a dog and that's important to you to have it work, go, go to the next step, you'll grow no matter what you do, long as you're growing, you're gonna be you'll be fine. I mean, this is a decision you have to just make if you'd wanna stay there or not stay there. But either way, you're getting you're getting great experience. And the tougher the experience, uh, probably the more and faster you're gonna grow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'd be more of a short term kind of annoying situation. Yeah. But you but you but you learn
0: something with those short yeah. and patience, you know, I was a Everyone says it uses this word type A, type B personality. And when I was in my 30s, 20s and 30s, I was high strung. I mean, I was, I was successful. I would go to work at you know, 6 a.m. and I would pound it till probably 7 p.m. When I got into some of the projects as I got older, I realized as much as I may FedEx a, uh, an item, to complete the project like yesterday to, you know, I would order this part to come overnight the next day. That part would sit on the shelf for two months. (laughs) (laughs) And I finally realized you don't have to be such a type A. You can do your work, do the things that you want. Life is about patience. It will come to you. Uh, Keep moving yourself forward, but don't, don't shortcut it. I would go back to seeing if you're being challenged. If you find your work that's challenging you, uh, that's great. Stay with it, and especially if it's puppy-friendly. Puppy if you don't find that it's challenging for you and it's just you know mechanical, you may want to think about doing it. it's going to challenge you a little bit more, maybe that is part of your, what, what you're feeling.
1: Well, just maybe for the sake of the puppy. Stay in it if it's convenient for now. You already know it's temporary. You already know you're going to go to master's programs.
0: And the puppy is only—it's only two more months before the puppy is really going to be able to stay at home. Three months.
1: Maybe just push on for a little bit, and then unless something really spectacular pops up,
0: I mean, just because she ate—you know—she ate the bed one day, and (laughs) I came home and a door was chewed up, and she thinks her name is Hooch.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So just keep trucking along. There's no follow up, but. Send us pics of the puppy, please.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: All right, here we go. We got a really long one. So it's presented as a problem, examples of the problem, and then the question. Okay. So we're gonna go through multiple examples here.
0: Let's go through the problem first. Problem is?
1: All right, sorry for the long post, but I think my coworker has something against me because of my age. Okay. My coworker, I don't know her age, but guessing probably 60 plus. And I, 22 female, are having some sort of petty underlying issue. I have asked family and friends for their input, but I would like an outsider's opinion. My coworker is my boss's best friend, and they are both little old ladies who own a ballet studio. I recently took over a position of another woman who was not performing her job correctly and always showed up late. I do everything I can to be the best employee and prove I am not the same as her. Keep in mind, all of my coworkers are 40 plus and I am in my 20s, so I am the youngest and recently graduated from college. My coworker always made it very clear that she hated this past woman in the position and felt new people out of college were not mature enough to be teaching young kids. I do my best to not be that woman. I always show up early, I provide stickers and candy for my student ballerinas and whatever else I can to help them have fun. It all started when I began as an intern and everything was great. I remember there being no drama or anything until after we had a conversation about how my boyfriend is in the military. I was talking about how if we got married one day and he got restationed in a new state, I would go with him, but that was years away. After that, she got weird. I later was officially hired after they let the other woman go. Little incidents happened where the candy I bought for my students got stolen and I was missing stickers. I would always find all of it upstairs and I would take it back. We had a staff meeting before this school year and I remember being texted to show up to the meeting at noon for lunch. I left my home in time to be there at eleven forty-five, so I could be early. I get a phone call around eleven fifteen from my boss asking where I was. I was confused because I looked at my text and it clearly said noon. Apparently everyone else was already there and they were just waiting for me. I was told the wrong time. When I showed up, I was embarrassed, but I didn't know what to say. Everyone just looked at me, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be mean and blame the mistake on my coworker. but I knew it wasn't my fault. Another incident happened not too long ago where I just got to work. I came into the studio and went to my workspace to get my schedule, music, and class rosters together. Not long after, she came downstairs and looked at me and said, Oh, you're here. Had to make sure you were actually going to show up. I've never been late before. Never once showed up at a wrong time other than the time that was her fault. Mm -hmm. But I took that backhanded comment and smiled and walked away. Again, I don't want drama. Another incident happened in front of my boss. Growing up, I had ballet classes all the time and often other teachers would come in and interrupt the classes to have convos with my teachers. I hated it because the students would have to stand around and wait for our teachers to start teaching again. I always felt it was rude and inconsiderate since we were wanting to use as much time as we could to learn the new steps. So I always do my best to not interrupt other classes now that I'm a teacher. On Mondays, I have classes until 6 p.m., then I leave. My coworker had classes upstairs when I left, so I never went upstairs and just left and told the front desk ladies to let her know I left when her classes ended. Well, a couple weeks ago, she came in and didn't say anything to me. She waited till my boss was right next to us when we got to talk to shout, so you never come and say goodbye to us. Kind of would appreciate it if you would come up and say goodbye at least. I was taken aback and felt caught off guard. I tried to explain how I felt, but she cut me off and said, just say bye, that's all we are asking for. My boss didn't even seem to care and walked away. Once again, I just walked away and didn't say how I felt. In another incident, I have a student who is really loud and disruptive to a point where it's distracting and makes me take too much time disciplining rather than teaching. I tried asking her advice to see ways to help the situation, and she only responded with, well, maybe you need to be more patient. Maybe the kid has ADHD and you have to understand kids with ADHD are a little more difficult to deal with. One day when you actually have more experience, you'll be able to work through it easier. I was about to pop off on her. The child I was talking about was rude and loud and disrespectful. She stated that kids with ADHD were rude and disrespectful. My brother had ADHD and he is nothing like this child. I was angry, but all I could manage was, you know what? I will work on it. I'll ask my mom how she works with my brother seeing he has ADHD. But funny thing, he has never been rude and disrespectful. I'll just talk to her since she's a teacher too. I just walked away. I had to hold in my anger after that. Since that comment, I've lost all respect for her. Last situation. I'm going to Louisiana in December, and I asked my coworkers to help cover a couple classes. I had all my days but Thursdays covered, so I asked her because she never works Thursdays and always talks about how she is bored Thursdays, so I asked if she would be willing to help. Mm -hmm. She immediately responds with, I'm too busy with preparing for Nutcracker shows to help. You're going to have to figure out something else. Preferably someone older to cover. What does she mean by only get someone older. She never makes these comments towards anyone else. Everyone talks about how nice she is, but she talks down to me. And according to my students, who are all younger than me, she makes backhanded comments and is mean during rehearsals. I feel it is an age thing. Maybe I'm overreacting, but something feels off. What is your input? I just feel like I did something, but I really have no clue where to begin to think of where I potentially messed up. I know it's little comments, but these little comments are very off and make me question my sanity.
0: Help. Uh, first thing I'm going to address is your desire not to cause drama. You have obviously are trying to take the high road. It is evident that this woman has an issue. You can take the high road all you want, but there's a couple things I would do. First, you have to make it, you have to take notes when things happen like this. Uh, you obviously have a. Uh, I think there was a cell phone, there was a message that she got that said what time it was. Mm-hmm. There was a documented piece of evidence that could be certainly a screenshot, keep it. I would have written a little note to your employer. This was the time that I was told to be here. You see the attached, and there's obviously something going on between me and this individual. I would like to have the opportunity to talk to her personally and see if we can work this out before anything else goes on. You know, go to whatever your your coworker and say, "I'd like to sit down and have a discussion with you." And but don't approach it to be confrontational, but to say, "Look, we obviously have an issue with one another. I, I felt that you have an issue with me, which is now gives me to have an issue with you, which I did not have when I got here." but I'd like to see if we can find out what it is and work through it. Mm-hmm. If this you find that this doesn't work and you can't find what's really bugging her, if it's just the fact that she's jealous of your age, the fact that you are in a place in your life that she is not, I, I don't know what her issue is. But I'm not Karnak as Johnny Carson used to have, he'd put the envelope there, <laughs> he'd know the answer. Yeah. But that's taking, it, taking the bull right by the horns and being very adult, very mature. Do that first. And if not, then I think you have to go back to your boss and say, look, there's an issue. And if we can't work it out through the three of us, then maybe it's best that I'm not a part of this. Because you also have to think about your own health. I had a similar issue. I started in a company when I was seven. Actually, I was 13 when I started sweeping floors for these people. They were friends of my dad's. By the time I was 21, I was working full time for this company and I was, you know, making a wonderful living, you know, the most 21 year olds never got and I, everything was based also on a bonus and my bonus didn't come in one year and I was very upset. In fact, I was devastated and I literally went to the boss and I said, you know, I have an, an issue that's going on with these reviews and he said, well, you know, your, your next boss up is this guy named Max and Max, I think, was really worried that I was coming on very strong, very young and aggressive, and I was after his job. I was never after his job. I wanted to learn to be groomed for the, the top position one day, not just his position. And I told that to my boss, that I think that if you look at my numbers, you'll see that everything I've done was right, and I don't know what, Mac, what this guy Max was talking about, but there was obviously a conflict and I try to get it resolved with the boss. I didn't even go to Max because oh, I thought I actually did go to him. And I got nowhere. And that's when I said, it's time to go up and have a conversation. And at the end of the day, nothing worked right. So do I regret going to them? No, because the boss had a different idea that his, when he died, that was the end of his company. And, he, and I did not know at the time that he was already sick and he, he died within a year after that. And the company was closed immediately. But you have to handle things to be clear and and forward. Everything that I think that you were doing, as far as teaching, was was beautiful. And it might be just different than what she's used to. I I don't know.
1: Well, and maybe it's worth sitting down with the coworker and the boss.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would definitely do. I would first sit down, I would tell. I would go to the boss first and explain with the, the evidence. And then I would say, I don't wanna really drag you into this thing yet, but I'd like to have a conversation with her and I and see if we can work this thing out.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: And if that, like I said, if that fails, then the three of you have to sit down. And then if that fails, then you just have to start making a decision, what's the best thing for you, staying there or saying, you know something, this isn't working out for me because I'm not telling you to fire her, yeah. but I'm telling you that it's not going to work for me. And if you want to make, make a change, I'll give you an opportunity to do so. Sure. But you know, you, you can't keep putting yourself to being abused. Uh, it's not healthy for you.
1: Her ideal outcome was just, I just need to know if I'm imagining it. I just want a mature way of handling the situation without blowing I don't, up.
0: I don't think you're imagining it.
1: Just want a mature way of handling the situation without blowing up on a 60-plus-year-old woman.
0: There you go. I think that we've answered that.
1: I believe so. So we got one last short one with me. And then we switch, switch. On to the next. Let's go. I just got a well-paying job as a personal trainer, and I know my boss has a thing for me. I'm engaged, and he constantly pushes boundaries. My job can get intimate at times as I stretch him regularly, and he works on me as well. A couple occasions, he's felt me up while working on me. I feel very violated, but really didn't know how to voice a clear boundary that I did not like that at all. He's older, and I'm 24. What is a good way to tell him to back off professionally?
0: We live in a world where we, 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 the har- harassment is the most talked about thing today that everyone is out to make sure that no one is harassed or anyone is abused. Yep. I don't know if you're in a small little business, if there's an, 20 employees, there's an HR director, but either way, you let them clearly know that if this is not something that he can professionally control, then it's time that, um, and, and write it down and have him sign it Say I I'm letting you know, and I want you to sign this if you want me to continue here, that you recognize that I've given you a warning. I'm not interested in this behavior. You have to be very, very direct. Define it, and, and either he gets on board or you
1: walk. Well, and if she's uncomfortable to approach him directly?
0: She has to approach him directly.
1: And maybe involve an in HR?
0: Well, I, it might just, it, it's, if it's an HR department, that's great. But if it's just him and her, and there's just two people working, you know, in a little thing, who does she have? She has nowhere to go.
1: Well, and the pressure she's feeling is the job pays really, really well for what I do. I'm finally able to pay my bills and prepare for my wedding. I would like him to just get the hint and back off. I feel like I allowed it to happen by not saying anything. From a male perspective, what's the best thing to say?
0: I, I'm telling you, you've got to define it point blank, have a piece of paper and say, I want you to let you know right when you're there, I have warned you, I do not like this. This is not acceptable. If you want me to continue to work here and work with you, then you you've been notified of these of these behavior issues that I have and I'll stay on if, if these never happen again and if they do happen again, I am leaving and I w- I may file charges against you of harassment. Be aware. You can't you you can't let the almighty uh, paycheck change your value in this thing. Take Take note what happened in the Harvey Weinstein trials and what the behavior this guy had with hundreds or maybe thousands of women over a period of years. These predators are bad. You don't need to do this. If you're talented in your work, even if you're just learning, there are many other places you can go that will will treat you with the respect and you won't have to live through these behaviors. You're not getting the salary you're getting, I hope, because he feels he can go abuse you. You're getting the, the money he's making because he, he's training you or you are proficient at what you do. So you have to define that in your own mind. But my answer is document it, make him sign it. Don't, don't be anywhere less than firm on this thing because the guy's a predator. He's already showed those behaviors.
1: Okay, I think that's uh, a lot of great advice. And this is where the road ends with me. Oh. Well, who's coming on next? Uh, Good old Morgan's up next. This is great. We're splitting it up. I love it.
0: All right, here we go. Did
1: did she get socks too? Maybe. We'll have to wait and find out.
0: Well, it was sad to see Justin go over (laughs) to the other side of the room. I see you guys swapped uh, a little bit. We had a little break and now... Let's start with you and I. Here we okay, go. Okay,
2: so keeping on with the work slash school stuff. Mm-hmm. Dear Jerry, my issue is in relation to my professional career. I graduated from college in May of 2018 with a degree in health policy and administration. I've been working as a social worker since December of 2018, and I really don't think it's the perfect fit for me. I don't mind my job, but I'm certainly not passionate about it. My main issue is the office environment. My coworkers are sort of a clique with each other and they complain about me a lot. I keep to myself a little more, but when I've tried to get into group conversations, it gets quiet quickly. I've given up trying. My main issue is that I've more or less made the decision to leave, but only after I get a new job. I feel like I could be making more money doing something else, but I have no idea what I would even be qualified to do. I'm not sure what marketable skills a former social worker would have in another field. I've applied for work with my old college, but my boyfriend doesn't want to move far away. I want to because I've never moved away for college and only attended a commuter campus for six years. I think the reason I want to do this is because I want to make up for not moving away when I was young, and I feel cheated out of a college experience because my parents refused to let me move away since I was working for the family business at this time. I started at the age of 10. Worth mentioning that my boyfriend did move away for college for a few years, so he had this experience already. What do you think I can do so that I can feel happy about work? I honestly don't think I ever felt that way in any of my jobs. I did them more because I needed money. Any advice would be greatly appreciated.
0: So she's working in in an environment where she doesn't feel welcome. Yes. And But there is the work that she's doing she's not even really passionate about is it because she she's not happy there and it's affecting everything because the people aren't welcoming could be maybe Mm -hmm. um you're new out of school you're now really working in a uh out of the family business working in the profession that you went to and you're just starting to get your your sea legs of working in what your field will be and when you start with one sector of a business, it may not be at all where you end up in that sector of business. Um, I know for sure that you started in, in working with occupational therapy, and there are many roads down that occupational therapy you know, world.
2: Yeah, a lot of different niches you can focus on.
0: And there's no doubt that where she is in, 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 in social work, there are many avenues to go down. And the avenue that you're on right now, you're, you're, you're gaining experience every day. Every bad experience, I've always said, is a good experience because you're learning different things about you in these experiences. The fact that you're not being welcome into the fold, don't try so hard. Be yourself, be you, ignore them, do your professional. And you will make your own way through that in your own friends, and your own social life without pushing it, it will come naturally as you prove yourself, not to them, but to yourself. So I wouldn't sweat those people right now. Just focus on what your job really is in helping the people that you're helping. And if finding a new job in that environment in a different hospital happens, or if you decide to go really explore your dream of living in a different environment and building a new life somewhere else and trying it, your boyfriend and you aren't married if if he decides that you mean enough to him to go do this with you that's a good sign that you guys are can work well together to answer both of your needs he also should understand that you have a need that you want to explore and if he wants to be a part of that exploration then he'll jump on board that train and you may find out he's not you know you guys are are not growing together and that there's a reason not to be together and, or you might find the reason to be together.
2: Or they do long distance, you know, and see. They can try it. You know how that goes.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If he's, you know, if his job can't change and he wants to stay there, these are all new exploratory things. Um, I, I certainly know couples, my son, that his uh, not at the time wife wanted to go uh, to school in a different state she left she went to school did you know got her degree and while she was gone they said look let's take a pause in our relationship and they missed each other enough at the end of the day they got back together she moved back to the city where she was from they have two children today and they're very happy mm-hmm. so you know these roads it's life you 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 take your you take your direction Do the things that you feel you want to do in your heart. You're young, explore it, find it. I mean, the worst thing to do is say, I should have done this when I was young and I didn't do it because. Don't do that, do it. You are young and if if he can be a part of it, great. And if he can't and you guys are still in love with each other and you just want to go live in a different city and see what it's like to be on your own without any of the other influences that go along with it, uh, it's nice to to have that emancipation, so to say, with, you know, from your family, where your mom's not knocking on your door every day telling you how to, you know, make your bed or you know, take out the trash in your own apartment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my advice is, don't on, on on step one with the job you're in. If the decision is to that you you don't want to leave yet and you want to uh, wait till a different opportunity shows up, then focus on what you're doing. Focus on doing it better. If you want to explore other avenues in social work that you're not uh, currently doing, go explore those other th- those other avenues because I know they're out there.
2: There are there's so many different areas of social work that you can go in. Uh, I think a thing to even consider for this listener is travel work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually apply for short term contracts, three months, six months, and you get paid way more and there's a shortage of social workers. So Mm -hmm. if social work is it, um, that's that. So the main issue is she's leaving her job. I feel like I could be making more money doing something else, but I have no idea what I would even be qualified to do. I'm not sure what marketable skills a former social worker would have in another field. Which, don't sell yourself short because you have a degree in health policy and administration, and there is a need. I think you know this pandemic especially has shown how big of a need we have in healthcare and health policy. So mm-hmm. social work is an amazing, amazing skill. And I think all might, experience is valuable. But, but
0: she might just be burnt out with the idea that she even wants to be involved in any kind of social work. She may decide, I want to go be an inventor.
2: But that's what I'm saying. I, like, don't sell yourself short. Right. Any experience you've had in life, whether it, it's social it, work or whatever, it works. you're going to have marketable skills. It Look works. Look at what you're doing. Are you multitasking and able to manage a high stress workload? Yes. You know, you're that you're, applies.
0: You're dealing with people and people skills are the most important thing for any job. Yes. If you want to go into medical sales, if you want to go into any kind of brokerage business, anything, you have to know how to talk to people and you have to know how to, you know, to to listen to what they may have to say. If you're doing a social work, you are listening to what people say. You are following through you're documenting you're writing all these skills that you are doing as a social worker is applicable in anything in any job uh that you can make i mean other jobs that you can make a living at you'll find where the fit is so i would continue at least right now a little bit at least with this give it give it a chance to get some legs and see where you where it migrates to because Things don't migrate overnight. There is invaluable opportunity that you're getting right now. It's still school for you. You're getting paid for it, but it's still school. You're looking at me like, am I crazy? It's
2: still school.
0: But I'm using that as school. She's still learning. She's still...
2: I was like, what the heck?
0: Every day that we are out there doing stuff, we're learning. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting... This is, this is getting a paid education because she's working and she's getting paid for it. But the experiences that she's getting is real in real time.
2: Yes. Do you think there's any shame in changing jobs though? No. Especially, I mean, by the sounds of it, it's it sounds kind of like it's irrelevant if social work is for her or not at this point because of how toxic the work environment is.
0: That it it, it well, like we said, ignore the ignore that, stay out of that environment, stay clear of those people. Don't involve yourself, focus on your work focus on the client not on these people and focus on just doing her job to the best of her ability and that will get rid of the toxicity because they're out they're out of her picture and if they come looking for her and they make it more difficult then yeah you're going to have to leave that you're going to have to leave that toxicity you have the power and go to the next go find another place a wonderful a, a wonderful example go
2: find the other place right now
0: <laughs> well it, and that's uh, uh, that's And and I'm not telling you wrong, not to do that. Morgan was always very um, determined. And when when she, remember in other shows, I might've said that part of my goal for her was make choices and decisions from the time she was, you know, walking, no joke. She went to a school she didn't like. And she came, I mean, I knew Morgan loved one school she went to, she loved, she couldn't wait to go every day. And next thing I know, she went to another grade and it was another location. And she said, I don't want to go to school. And I said, why? And and she was five years old or four years old, and she says, I just don't like going, I don't want to go here. And I, so I went to go to the school and looked at it, and I said, and I went to the teacher and said, you know, Morgan doesn't really like coming here. You can't let your child, you know, you know, lead you. You can't let the, you know, the tail wag the dog. And I looked at her and I thought to myself, no, I'm going to trust my kid. And I said, Morgan, we're out of here. And we left. Mm Mm-hmm. And you went to a different school, and you loved it. You went to that. You went. We went from there to some place up on the highway, and you couldn't wait to go go in and yeah. It, so if it's toxic and there's something that's that's triggering you, believe that too.
2: Mm-hmm, definitely, you're
0: going to have to make these, you know, stand back and kind of look at this stuff and hear these different options and th- thought thought processes and and decide which one fits you, but never be afraid to go go on and go forward. And also, never uh, not recognize that every experience you have, but even some bad ones, are will teach you. You'll learn from them, and there's a positive. There's a positive thing out of it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think first and foremost, like you got to look out for yourself and your mental health. So if it is super toxic, get out. Because you know, I, I as an OT work hand in hand with a lot of social workers, mm-hmm. and it's a very collaborative environment. So even if you try to ignore them and not engage with them, you know, a lot of our jobs do depend on that collaboration with people. Well, if I they're know, unwilling to do that, then...
0: I didn't know if it was collaboration or she felt this, that, that she fits in with them. And if it's collaboration, then, then... then They're
2: sabotaging. Then
0: then it's not a it's not a positive work environment and you're not doing the best for the client or mm-hmm. the patient. If it's just social that, you know, they're not letting you in, they're clicking, they're not talking about their, you know, their sisters or mothers or boyfriends, their... And and their dog, that's that's a different gig. Yeah, we don't care about their you know. No, their, we only care about the fact that if they're you're you're able to talk to them responsibly and, and professionally, and they're not doing that with you, then she, they bad. For sure, they bad.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's just say she doesn't decide to make this move now, mm-hmm. but then three years down the road is like oh. You know, I think I'm going to go for it now. Okay. Do you think there's an expiration date on when you can change careers?
0: There's never an expiration date when you can change your career. You could. How many careers have I had? Uh, so many. You know, I have. <laughs> I'm a you know, I'm an, an inventive mind, and I like to experience you know, new things to to try. So um, never be afraid to to venture out and expand your. That's expanding yourself. That that's not hurting yourself you're opening new opportunity you're opening new experiences to grow so absolutely there is no timeline on changing uh, a life path currently I'm on a life path of doing a podcast and I used to make the largest cranes in the world so I mean it's yeah you can make you can make all different kind of changes
2: for sure when asked about an ideal outcome, they say my ideal outcome would just be that I feel happy at work and in life in general.
0: You'll do that. You will Follow succeed. You will happy. You will succeed if you allow yourself to be the best you can be. You'll always look back and say, I was never afraid. I I I reached for places I'd never gone before. Think of the beginning of the show Star Trek. Captain Kirk says it right in the, You know, right at the beginning of the show. Go beyond, reach, reach for the stars. I wish I could think of the quote right now, but I'm having that senior moment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that was good. Great advice. And that's all I have for you.
0: Well, it's wonderful for you guys to hang out with us for another uh, episode. And we look forward to you next week. And have a great one. And go create something.
2: (laughs) There's a good positive coping strategy, too. Okay.
0: Good night.